What is up, kangaroo chasers? And on this episode of the pod, I'm joined by the first big signing from a North American rugby league club. That's right. It's an absolute pleasure, or was an absolute pleasure, to speak to the Brooklyn Kings' very own Eddie Pettiborn. Eddie has a wonderful rugby league CV, having played in the NRL for the South Sydney Rabbitohs, the West Tigers, the Gold Coast Titans. He's played Super League for Wigan Warriors. He's played in France for Toulouse Olympique. He's played in the Elite One and in the Queensland Cup as well, and uh, at international level. He's played schoolboys for the Kangaroos. He's been part of the Kiwi squad. He's represented Samoa against Tonga, and he's played two World Cups for the USA. Um, we had so much to talk about, not only uh, the Brooklyn Kings and the future of the North American Rugby League, but his whole career, his international perspective, uh, everything all about it. A great chat, really enjoyed it. Uh, I know you will too. Now, if you're a new listener, welcome. Uh, and I do recommend you take a deep dive. If you're here for the first time, you're probably here for Eddie. You're here to hear about North American Rugby League. Uh, I do I recommend you take a deep dive into the back catalogue, uh, as I believe you enjoy some of our unique content. In particular, I go all the way back to episode 33. It's called An Honest USA Rugby League Discussion. And that was with Nate Gladden, Mr. Rugby League in America himself. Uh, it'll give you a good grounding and understanding of the recent history of rugby league in North America and maybe why the NARL could be very important. So check that out. Really good chat from a while ago now. Um, if you're a regular kangaroo chaser, welcome back. Thank you. We love you. Thanks for being a part of our community. Uh, you're going to love this chat with Eddie. Well, There's no two ways around it. It's just the truth. Um, and there's a number of North American Rugby League-themed pods coming your way. So we talked to Monty Gaddis from Cleveland Rugby League. We're going to talk to Gareth Reed from the Ottawa Aces, uh, as well as an in-depth chat with the COO of North American Rugby League coming soon, where I will ask all of the tough questions that you want me to ask. So check us out at Chasing Roos on the socials. Uh, we'll give you an opportunity to ask your questions soon. Um, I'm also chatting with Nate Gladden over on the Rugby League in America podcast. Yes, that's right. He's back, baby. And um, we'll be chatting tomorrow night, my time. So this might be out by the time this podcast is released. Uh, all about the North American Rugby League and so much more. So make sure you jump over to Rugby League in America. Nate Gladden's back. Uh, and you can hear that. Anyway, that's enough rambling from me. Let's get into some golden points before my interview with Eddie Pettiborn, the King of Brooklyn. I'm Michael Carboni. This is episode 110 of the Chasing Kangaroos podcast. before my chat with Eddie Pettiborn. So let's start in Europe, where the European Rugby League Board have confirmed a revised international schedule, taking into account the effects of COVID. So on some nations' abilities to host and travel under ongoing res restrictions. Um, so a few changes. It's, it's a shame, but it's probably necessary. So Euro A has already been cancelled for this year. Of course, it was meant to happen last year because of the World Cup had to be pushed back because of the World Cup. Euro A won't take place, but there will be some changes or modifications to Euro B and D this season, whilst Euro C uh, and the under-20s European Championship will be moved um, to 2022. So just to clarify that as well, Group B was featuring Serbia, Russia and Greece, and Group D was Netherlands, Turkey, Malta and Czechia. So there'll be some modifications there, but as far as we know, those will continue that will take place group c norway ukraine germany moved to 2022 um and the under 20s which was meant to be played in lignano italy i'm assuming will still be played in lignano italy uh, just a year later 
So yeah, good. Um, look, they had to have, make that foresight, make the changes. Uh, good to see the European Rugby League board uh, moving on all of that and doing the best that they can. Uh, Golden Point, Brazil, where the Brazilian Rugby League also doing the best they can, taking an extraordinary step in efforts to ramp up preparation for their Women's Rugby League World Cup in 2021 uh, by rapidly organising a nine-day all-expenses-paid-secure bubble uh, to stave off disruptions to their calendar. So the Women's Final Series, it's been rescheduled three times now because of COVID. And so because of this, the Brazilian Rugby League have taken the drastic step to ensure the ladies can complete their season uh, and also have the best possible chance to be selected for the Amazonas uh, for the first ever World Cup. It's really important. It's great that they're doing this for clubs, um, and we wish the ladies the best of luck. And we'll give you some results as well here, so watch this space. Uh, guys, Golden Point, uh, over to North America, and this one's for you guys, for the Kangaroo Chasers. So if you're following us on Instagram and Facebook, at Chasing Roos, um, you will have noticed that myself and Matt Haynes, uh, we've been scoring all of the North American Rugby League club logos out of 10, giving some professional advice and things like that, which I think we can do. Matt's a great designer. My background is marketing, and uh, I think, you know, I think we did okay. Uh, thanks for all of your feedback, all of the interaction. We had negative, we had positive, lots of great feedback, and design subjective, so that's fine. But all the talk, for me, like, it's a good example of why I say Chasing Kangaroos is more than a podcast. This is a great example of that. It's a great example of our community making a difference because thanks to your voice, the voice of the Kangaroo Chasers, we're going to see at least one or two of those clubs making some changes for the better. And I think that's great. And it's going to improve the professionalism of this competition. And that's because of us. So well done, guys. Help, let's keep growing. Hashtag Grow Rugby League together. And yeah, we'll make a difference. So of course, Chasing Kangaroos is brought to you by Matt Haynes Sport. So if you need a logo or a jersey design then matt is your man and tell him you're a kangaroo chaser you get 10 percent off your kit production so uh, make sure you do that and thanks maddie matthainesport.com.au for supporting the show all of this year uh guys golden point i'm bundling this one up as i watch this space for italy and singapore now nothing to do with each other but very similar in concept so i'm going to bundle them up uh, firstly italy uh, well we've been hearing about domestic developments for quite some time you can go all the way back to episode 16 of this podcast. It's called Rugby League in Italia with Orazio Daro to hear all about the early stages of these like domestic plans for a domestic competition. Really good episode. The quality of the uh, production, probably not as good as it is now. We didn't have Mercho back then, but uh, still a great episode and one which probably put us on the map. COVID's moving behind us and uh, there's a few things in motion, which I can't talk about yet, but it's looking very promising. And uh, look, watch this space because we'll cover any news closely. And uh, But what I will say, very excited to see some domestic uh, news coming from Italy very, very soon. Uh, then in Singapore. Uh, so Singapore Rugby League has re-emerged, uh, reborn, they say. So originally formed in, I think, 2003, the organisation has disappeared uh, for a number of years now. But there is a small working group that have come back together uh, with, and put... Singaporean Rugby League back on the agenda. I've got a presence on the ground in Singapore, which is very important, uh, and also here in Australia. Uh, so this idea coming to fruition and good to see it alive and kicking again. Once again, also watch this space. Uh, as news progresses, we will tell you right here. Golden Point to the Pacific, and this is another bundled Golden Point where uh, two of our favourite clubs, uh, Q Cup's very own... PNG Hunters and the Ron Massey Cup's very own Caviti Silktails, both recording wins over the weekend. Uh, the first for the season for the Silktails. So after I said they'd go undefeated all year, they lost two, but they're, they're back. And they might go out. No, I won't say it. I won't say they'll go undefeated for the rest of the year. <laughs> but they won 36-16 over the Glebe Dirty Reds. Great match. Um, great atmosphere out there as well, I am told. Make sure you get out to some Caviti Silktails games this year if you can in Sydney. Um, and of course, PNG Hunters looking hot, uh, looking like serious finals contenders. They're in the top four in the Queensland Cup after back-to-back -back wins, uh, this time 26-14 over the Mokai Cutters. So there are clubs, we're supporting them closely and are uh, great to see them both winning uh, last weekend. Fantastic. Uh, guys, Golden Point, over to Scotland. A uh, big shout out to everyone involved in Scottish Rugby League. I know you guys listen to us regularly. I know we have a lot of support from over in Scotland, so thank you. This Golden Point is for you, uh, where the Scottish National League will return 
on June 26. There'll be five clubs involved. So the Edinburgh Eagles, they're the champions. Uh, they'll be there. Glasgow Rugby League, one of our favourites, will be there. The Fife Lions will be there. The Strathmore Silverbacks will be there. And a new club, the Fourth Valley Vikings, will be there, where I understand a good friend of the show, Matt Rigby, will be uh, lacing up the boots <laughs> in the Scottish National Rugby League. So well done, Matty. Um, looking forward to, to hearing some of your stories, mate. Also, Scottish Cup will kick off on the 3rd of July uh, with the return of, obviously, those five clubs, but the return of the Aberdeen Warriors. The Warriors, probably the most successful uh, Scottish Rugby League club of all time. Uh, they'll be back in the National League next year, but great to see them being part of this Scottish Cup this year. So that's awesome. So Scottish Cup for the Aussies, it's a knockout Challenge Cup-style competition. Um, and breaking news, I don't think this has been announced yet, uh, but the first ever physical and learning disability rugby league day for Scotland will be held on the 29th of May. So that's really good stuff as well. Great stuff, Scotland. And big shout out to all of you kangaroo chasers over there in Scotland. All right, two to go, guys. Golden Point International Rugby League, uh, where the new chairman, Tony Grant, has outlined his plans for the International Rugby League calendar, including potential 2025 World Cup in France, which we've all been hearing about and very excited about. Uh, 2029 in North America, which shocks me because I understand or understood that uh, the New South Wales government were keen to put in a bid for 2029, but North America, very promising. Uh, He's talking about nines events across Asia, including India, which would be massive in developing the game and promoting our game. And also, speaking of nines and massive development, pushing for the nines to be part of the 2032 Olympic Games, which uh, I think are going to be possibly held in Brisbane. So that makes a lot of sense. That'll be huge. So very ambitious, Tony. But we love it, mate. And the kangaroo chasers are behind you. All right, finally, back to North America. So before my chat with Eddie Pettiborn, where the New York Rugby League Club, you know, so the Brooklyn Kings, probably their biggest, uh, biggest rival will be New York Rugby League. They have announced and unveiled their first major signing. He's Jack, the Jacksonville-born USA Hawks international, a former Northern Pride forward, and a great friend of the podcast, Joe Eichner. So really excited to see Joe back home and uh, part of this North American Rugby League and part of the New York Rugby League club. Um, might have to get Joe back on the podcast soon. So, um, yeah, congratulations, mate. I know you're listening as well. Uh, and finally, we posted a Facebook and Instagram competition for your chance to win one in five Sports Flick annual subscriptions. Now, Sports Flick will be streaming every North American Rugby League game this season. Uh, So this is your chance to win a free subscription. Uh, They show Serbian Rugby League too, so that's awesome little bonus. Follow us at Chasing Roos. Go back and find the post. Uh, We posted it a few days ago now. Uh, And be sure to enter. Follow the instructions and enter. We will announce the five winners on the next podcast. So you still got a chance to get in there, guys. Uh, Make sure you do at Chasing Roos. So that's all the golden points for me this week. It's always tough doing it solo. Uh, I feel like I'm talking to myself, but uh, look, a lot of fun all the same. So thanks for chasing kangaroos with me, guys. And now over to my chat. The reason you're here, my chat, with the King of Brooklyn, the Brooklyn King's latest recruit, Eddie Pettiborn. All right, Kangaroo Chasers, very special guest uh, with us tonight. He's played professional rugby league everywhere. He's played in Australia for the South Sydney Rabbitohs, West Tigers. He's played for the Gold Coast Titans. He's played in the Queensland Cup. He's played in the UK with the Wigan Warriors. Uh, He's played for Toulouse Olympique in France, and he's at Villeneuve at the moment in the Elite One. Uh, And he's about to play professional rugby league in the USA as well. He's the king of Brooklyn, Eddie Pettiborn. Welcome to Chasing (laughs) Kangaroos, buddy. Uh, thanks, thanks for having me, man. Mate, much appreciated. Um, mate, the first big signing for the North American Rugby League. How do you feel? There must be a little bit of pressure. I feel there's enough pressure as it is, but uh, no, I'm really exciting. Um, you know, I've always uh, been passionate, massive dream about coming to America to, to help develop the game and you know, obviously help a lot of the lads there to, to understand the game of rugby league and I just wasn't sure when it was going to happen, but this fell into my lap pretty quick. So, um, 
yeah, I didn't want to refuse that um, opportunity. Man, I do want to talk about your journey, your whole story, really, but we're going to touch, obviously, on the Brooklyn stuff. But so has it, you said it was a quick sort of thing that fell into your lap. Is it, have you, how did it sort of happen? Where did it come from? Um, so, well, um, four years ago, I sat down with uh, Ricky Wilby. He spoke about this project that he had. Obviously, he wanted New York to be in the League One and then Championship and then Super League. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it was pretty cool to see what um, what vision he had. And, and I thought, man, this, if this does take off, it will be, be really good. Obviously, with the COVID and all the stuff that's happened, it's made it hard with... Obviously, with um, teams getting over to different countries because of the borders uh, restrictions. Yeah. But yeah, but man, it just yeah kind of started from there. But when I represented USA for the first time, it meant a lot for me for my mum as well because her father passed away when she was really young. Yeah. And uh, he's American Samoan, so doing that for her was like a like a massive um, blessing for me and for her, and she really. Like, yeah, she just took it to heart with everything that with me representing USA and then for me to carry on that legacy uh, was like was always always something that I always wanted to do was to yeah, to, to be a part of uh, USA rugby league. But just wasn't sure when it was gonna happen. And then this yeah, NA uh, the national USA rugby league just um popped down. I was just like, Wow, man, it's a pretty cool opportunity. I would love to, you know give it a crack and uh, see where it takes me from there. Yeah, good stuff, man. And you, you talked about your family, your mum, your heritage, and um, I guess I want to start from the beginning, man. So you are born in Christchurch in New Zealand, which isn't typically rugby league territory. It's more like rugby union town, right? So I guess yeah. I, I guess the first question for you is, is did you, did you, were you always into footy or did you sort of discover rugby league when you first moved over to Australia? Yeah, so we in Christchurch. So my dad was in Samoa. So my both parents were in Samoa. Yeah. My dad got an opportunity to come to New Zealand, so he got chosen to come to Christchurch to play rugby league. It was a small, it was a small competition, but um, well, wow. wasn't big as um Auckland. Yeah. But well, he had the opportunity to play. He played there. Um, I got sick at a young age, about two, so we travelled to Australia because we had to move into a warmer climate. So Australia. Australia was, so we went over. My dad was always like, he was, you know, he was really strict with me playing rugby league. So, like, at the time when I was younger, I wasn't really that good. Oh, really? <laughs> I was just, yeah, and then, like, you know, obviously, you're, like, growing up with parents, they, you know, they want you to do the best you can. And Yeah. So my, my dad always pushed me to, to play, 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 and then I didn't really love rugby league till I got to the age of maybe 15. Yeah. I kind of discovered that, oh, well, I'm just going to give this a good crack and and just see where it takes me. And, yeah, just started playing good footy in, in South Juniors. So growing up at the Juniors, up at South, and had opportunity to to play in those websites. And then obviously just building confidence from there and just, you know, um, picking people's brains of the game. And then, yeah, just kind of – I've always wanted to represent um, South Sydney Railroaders. Yeah. Just wanted to play one game. That was it. Yeah, I didn't care when I wanted to play after that, but I was just I wanted to play one game. And, yeah, just up, fortunate enough to. You ended up playing yeah. 90, ninety-one for him, so that's pretty good, man. <laughs> and um, I'm wondering what what happened at fifteen. Did you just sort of realize, fuck, I'm bigger than everyone else, and I'm pretty good at this, or like what was it at fifteen that made you think, yeah, I'm 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 going to make a career out of this? Um, oh well, one of the um, coaches that I had, he was. Uh, he always pushed me, but yeah, there was someone with him. He always wanted me to do good. Yeah. And he's, he says, he so because I wasn't the fittest guy, like every time I did fitness, I was always at the back. Yeah. Like, <laughs> you sound like me, bro. I wasn't the worry. fittest guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I wasn't, I wasn't the fittest guy, but when, when it came to like just power, um, just explosive stuff, I was, I was really good at. But when it came into contact, I love, for some reason, I just like, I love contact, and that yeah. was something that I love. I used to just go 100 miles an hour from running the ball to tackling people. And then, yeah, I think it just from there, and then he just kind of, all right, he said, all right, let's probably move you up to, like, men's when I was playing 15. And then 
I think I started getting confidence playing against men because obviously when you're younger, when you're versus men, you want to show them like, you know, yeah. you, you're that young pup ready to take on the big dogs. But uh, yeah, it just started from there, I think. And then I kind of just gained confidence from there. And then then when playing reps, representing South as a junior, it's huge. Like it was, the, it was like a massive milestone for me because I, I never made the reps growing up. So I got to about, yeah, age 15 and then I started making the teams and I think I just got confidence out of that. Because you played Aussie schoolboys, didn't you? Yeah, man, the funny story about this, this is a funny story. <laughs> so we have this, um, so obviously in the schools you have trials, you yeah. make like the CCC. So I made this team and I wanted to make the New South Wales Catholics team. I played really good, like I, I don't really talk myself up, but this game, I, yeah. this competition was really marked. Oh, I killed it, man. Like, I thought I made it for my... You know, they do the names and I didn't get called out. Man, I started crying, man. I was like, man, that's lies. And, well, then one of the front, front rows, you know Aidan Tolman? Yeah. Oh, you wouldn't know Aiden. Oh, I, yeah, know, well, I know. I know he, the name played for the doggies. Yeah. So he hit the prop for um, one of the country stars, Aidan Tolman. Um, tore his bicep. I think I forgot if it was his bicep or something. So I had to do a trial match with the four front rows against Parramatta. And then I... Um, I tried that match and I said, I'm just going to give it my all here. Play raw and then I got picked. So I was 20th man for the Catholics team. Oh, wow. New South Wales Catholics team. So I was 20th man. I missed the first game against ACT, so I was just watching. I was just happy to be there just to get all the gears because, man, all the cannery gears and, like, we had heaps of gears, so I was just pumped just yeah. to be there. Yeah. Uh, one of the boys, one of the front rows got injured, so I came right off the bench um, the next game. And then from there, I just, yeah, I was just, I was just, yeah, I just played really good the whole competition. I ended up starting the whole game. We won the whole comp, that week comp. Yeah. Um, and then yeah, it got picked for the Australian team. It was, yeah, it was crazy. That's insane, man. You weren't even meant to be there if it wasn't for an injury. <laughs> and then all of a sudden yeah. you're in the Aussie side. So that's, that's, well, luck, it's kind of lucky how things happen. If that didn't happen, who knows if you would have got noticed, you know what I mean? So that's uh, it's a pretty yeah. awesome story, man. Um, yeah. So you, you grew up supporting Souths, and you were mm. there for five years. Eventually, um, you parted ways and and spent a season with the Tigers. It must have been difficult leaving the club. Yeah, it was. Um, because man, my parents were like, man, we're red and green men in the blood. Mm. But um, yeah, it was it was a tough decision, but. But financially, I think at the time I was just I was just thinking big money. That was that's all I was thinking yeah, about. Well, Obviously, yes. when you're when you're young, you're like you don't have this kind of money. You want to provide for your parents and your family. Want to buy a house, this and that. So, um, yeah, kind of made that decision financially. Yeah, and and what about the move to the UK? So tell me, like you spent you spent a year at Wigan Warriors. What was the um. What was the difference between NRL and Super League at the time? Did you feel the difference? And then a year later, you came back to the Gold Coast. Had had a lot changed between, you know, that, that season, I guess. Yeah, no, I really enjoyed my time at Wigan. Um, obviously, the speed's different. Um, yeah. NRL's quite quick, quick, quick. It's quicker now watching it. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> yeah, if I had to tell the difference of what it was back then, it was just speed. I mean, contact-wise, was, they were both pretty similar. Wigan was a was a really good system. They were like a Melbourne system because Michael Maguire was there before. Yeah, and then Sean Wayne kind of took over and had that same concept, that same mentality that Melbourne has. Uh, um, but yeah, in terms of Wigan, I mean, I wanted to stay there long term, but my father um, had a recent heart attack at the oh, time. No. Yeah, that's why that's why I came back. So I came back home because of that. I was obviously was too far to. So we'll worry about and I just, yeah, I just came back home and I uh, wasn't sure where I was going to go, but then Gold Coast gave me an opportunity and then gave me a year to, yeah, year contract and then, yeah, I played pretty well that year and then got an extension after that. It's funny, man. Um, okay. When you think of um, rugby league players, like we're, we're sort of like rugby league's played in small pockets in Australia, UK, <laughs> south of France, you know, sm- like bit part of New Zealand, Papua New Guinea, obviously. So you don't think it's an opportunity or a lot of players wouldn't think it's a, an opportunity to sort of travel the world. Um, but you're, like with signing for the Kings, 
you've played for you've played professional rugby league in four different nations. So like Australia, England, France, and now USA. It's pretty freaking crazy. Like I don't know if anyone else has played like I know I know of players that have played like Charlie Celerino, the Italian front rower, he's played five in five nations, right? He's currently playing. You might know him from uh, Palau Broncos in the Elite One at the moment. Uh, Monty Gaddis, I believe, has played for five now with Cleveland, and you'll, I'm sure you'll come across Monty. But you've played profe- like you've, you've played at the highest level in, in every nation you've played in. It's pretty exceptional, man. Like, <laughs> how's that feel? Matt, to be honest, I didn't even think of it. Uh, <laughs> just for you guys talking about it, I had a recent interview about it and they were talking about obviously travelling and stuff. But just, yeah, I was just going with the flow um, yeah. with the opportunities that opened up. But yeah, man, it's when I think of it, like, yeah, I'm really uh, grateful for the opportunities and but to also do it in a different country and experience different lifestyles that we've um, come across, it's... Um, yeah, it's pretty awesome. How's the French experience? Like, do you speak much French now? Um, I wouldn't say I'm good. Um, <laughs> I've, got, I've, got the, I've got, the, got the basics down pat, but yeah. um, I try my best. Like, I mumble a lot, so they, um, I always think mumbling um, kind of helps a bit. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but, yeah. Uh, I'm still still learning, man. So, um, and, and yeah, but it's pretty cool speaking a different language. It would be awesome, man. And were your kids born there? You got it. Well, your 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 youngest was born there. Yeah. So my daughter was born here, and yeah. my son was born here as well. That's crazy. So they could represent France in future World Cups if they wanted to. Which is pretty cool, <laughs> man. Um, let's let's talk rep footy a little bit because not only have you played for clubs in four different nations. You've pretty much represented four different nations as well, because like we mentioned, the Australian schoolboys. But in two thousand nine, you had a chance to sort of select to represent either New Zealand or or Australia, and you chose New Zealand. Obviously, you were born there, but you mentioned earlier, like you lived there for two years, so you're pretty much Australian. Like you spent most of your life here. So what was yeah. like? What was the the thought process? Because obviously, like it's a big. I don't know if you read much press over here at the moment being in France, but there's a big debate at the at the moment about state of origin eligibility and letting like Islander boys play origin and also play for the heritage. So what was your thought yeah, process yeah. at the time? Like, like what was it a tough choice to select New Zealand ahead of Australia in 2009? Yeah, it was. Because uh, I've always wanted to represent the, I think because the, I, I got picked for that city team. Yeah. Uh, when I was talking to Fitler, one of them were two if I wanted to play for City, which was uh, I wanted to, but then New Zealand came in as well. And, and like my dad's always wanted to play for New Zealand. Yeah. Uh, at the time when he was playing, I, like he missed out at the time, but I thought, you know, uh, I chose it because of my dad. I wanted to represent New Zealand just for him, just so that, you know, to make his dream come alive as well. But he he was all good with like what I was gonna choose or what yeah. or whatnot. But yeah, that was, the reason why I chose was to represent uh, my dad just to, just to say that um that I did it for him. Isn't it funny, man, like when now you have kids, like I have kids. I think my kids are similar age to yours. I've got a daughter, she's five and a son who's two. And um yeah. it's funny like when you're sort of growing up before you have kids and you're trying to make your way in the world, you think, man, I want to do this to, cause like my parents would want it, you know, to make them proud. But then when you have your own yeah. kids, it's kind of like, man, they're going to, I'm going to be proud, whatever the fuck they do, as long as they do their best. Yeah. It's just funny. Like how you say yeah. that your dad probably would have loved it. If you play, if you chose Australia as well, you know, but it's, it's really yeah. nice that you, you made that decision for your family. I think what is your, you know, so what's your opinion on the current state of play? Like, do you think like guys like Jason Taumalolo should be able to play for Queensland as well as Tonga? What do you think? What, what do you think the rule should be there? Ah, uh, man, it's a bit hard. Eh? I think if you're if you've represented Tonga and you've represented New Zealand, I think you should be just staying yeah. at your own country. Like, in terms of, like, I would love to see. 
chasing someone like and they put a Queensland jersey on and you know those those like like you know Sam they just wanted to play for New South Wales and and all that stuff. But uh, I think it would just ruin what state of origin would mean. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like that yeah. it'd be cool to watch them play, but then it's just, it wouldn't be the same, I think. Yeah, I agree with you, man. I mean, we got to get. I think we got to get internationals and World Cups to to the pinnacle, you know. Like, and you can't do that if these guys are playing like what it would be essentially like an All Stars Origin concept. Like, to me, it's yeah. you know we're blurring the line, and I, I agree with you a hundred percent, man. Speaking of Tonga, yeah. the next nation you represented was Samoa in two thousand thirteen. So you had a game for Samoa. I represented your family again against Tonga. And that was actually your first rep game because I don't think you got onto the field for New Zealand. You were part of that 2009 nah. squad. So what was that like, man, representing your family, Samoa, and playing Tonga, which I think, like, Tonga and Samoa have been having some good battles for the last few years. It's pretty cool. Yeah, man, that was probably one of the best camps to be in, obviously, because I speak Samoan. And yeah. Obviously, when you go into Samoa, anywhere in Samoa, everyone speaks Samoan. And it's just, it feels like you're at home, you know? You feel like you're... Back in the islands, and but you're not only representing your parents; you're representing your your family. Families like they're all back home watching the game. And yeah, well, my grandma still, but she's still like now representing her. And I think, yeah, it was an emotional week when we had, but it was so good. It was like one of the best weeks representing Samoa, even though we got we lost that game. But uh, to put that jersey on and to sing the anthem, I think it was really special. Yeah. Would have been awesome, man. And then, of course, in the same year, you represented the USA at the World Cup. How did that come about? Who, who like, obviously, you've mentioned already the American Samoan heritage, so that's how you qualified. But who, who, who called you and said, "Hey, do you want to play in a World Cup this year?" How'd that come about? Steve Johnson. He was, um, I think, he was like the director of the USA, or he was the manager or something. I mean, he rang me up. He said, "Hey, look." Um, Love for you to represent USA, and I was like, "Oh man, I really want to represent Samoa." But my mum was like, "Oh son, I would be special if you represent USA for my <laughs> for my dad." Yeah, my mum, your lady, you can't can't be if your old lady says something, you got to do it. So yeah. at the time, I was like, oh, "You know what I want to do for you?" And then, yeah, I played my first World Cup with USA that year. Man, we shocked the world. I mean, that was like probably one of the best times. Man, it was well. crazy. Even the Wiggles wrote a song about you guys. That's how crazy it was. Like it was, um, it was insane. I don't think anyone expected it. What was your biggest memory from from that sort of tournament? Um, the biggest memory I, I think I can remember right now is that the RFL booked our flights mm. before the competition started, mm. saying yeah. that we're going to go after those three games that we play. But <laughs> yeah. The funny thing was, they so what they did, they planned the game. So we played on a they, we played on a Sunday, for example. Yeah, we'll play Sunday, and then the next game we'll play like within three days against Wales. Yeah, I remember it was three days because we pretty much played on a Sunday. The next game was on Wednesday, and then Wednesday the next game was on a was on a Saturday or Sunday. It was one of them. We didn't even have recovery, and we won all those games. Yeah, I remember that was awesome. <laughs> Well, <laughs> so I think with that, that was probably one of the best memories. Um, getting to the quarterfinals against Australia, um, obviously it was man, we got blown away. But just playing against them was just awesome. Playing yeah. against Australia, yeah, it would have been cool. So, it's um, yeah, I love how they the they booked your flights home early, and I hope they got a refund. But um, yeah, actually, who cares if they got a refund? They, they shouldn't have booked them. But that's, yeah, that's awesome. Man. And 2013 was incredible. Of course, in contrast, like you're at the World Cup again for the USA in 2017. Very different story uh, in Queensland. I yeah. think you guys were playing. Tell us a little bit about the disappointment there. I think it was just, uh, what did I say? I was a it was run by... Um, Different guys at the time. Yeah. So we've been there first time, you know. Um, it was well organised. Just I think we just didn't have enough time together. Yeah. Beforehand with the, um, with the USA team. So um, yeah, it was a bit different than what it was before. Uh, some different players that came in. So 
But like I said, it was just a building process, I think. And um, yeah, hopefully we can fix that up. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we can course, get man. you know. Well, hopefully now there'll be team. some there'll be some uh, a good base of players coming through, which you can sort of help out while you're over there. We I don't think you're part of the qualification process for this year's World Cup, um, but it must have been disappointing bowing out to Jamaica there. Did you did you get to watch any of that, or were you across you were across that obviously? Yeah, yeah, and I was watching that game. Like usually we beat that team, but like <laughs> we usually <laughs> smash that team. Hey, um, they put up a good fight against the boys, and yeah, I was pretty disappointed because I didn't travel over that for that game. Yeah. So we had the chance to play Cook Islands to to qualify. So yeah. we had to play Cook Islands to qualify the World Cup that same year. Oh no, sorry, last. It was last. last oh, the year before last. Yeah, that's right. The year before last. Yeah. So um, they had we a played. Gun. I went over this time. Yeah, I went over this time. But they had a gun team. They had a gun team, man. They had a, yeah. they had a gun team. But we we played pretty well. It was a close game. But they swept us in the last ten minutes. Mm. My brother-in-law plays for them. Place for the Cook Islands as well. So, oh, really? Uh, that was good battle. Yeah. <laughs> that would have been fun. He got bragging rights, man. Unfortunately, <laughs> who's your brother? In yeah. uh, Brad Sikarini. Oh no way! He's uh, so he's in the UK yeah, now yeah. as well. He's in the UK here, yeah, so he's um, first time in Hull, England. So he's he's doing well for himself. Mate, he's, one, he's probably their best player at the moment. I know he's injured now, but um, we actually um, little spoiler alert: we um, might be getting him on the podcast soon. So that's pretty funny that you mentioned. Didn't know your brother-in-laws. That's awesome. We oh, might no. have we might have to mention that. Mate, so what's the future like? Obviously, you've signed a two-year deal with Brooklyn. So, is there? Are you planning on? Um, you know, given the opportunity, putting the USA jersey on again, and is that even possible? Because, you know, the NARL. I'm not sure what the affiliation is with the USARL at the moment. So I'm not sure if they'll allow NARL players to play in Hawks jerseys, but I've also heard little, and stop me if I'm saying too much, but I've heard little rumours about the return of the Tomahawks or something like that. But where's your head at in terms of representing USA again in the next couple of years? Um, I'm not sure, man, but to be honest, I've always wanted to coach USA. So, um, yeah, I want to be a part of the USA team. Um, hopefully, like whatever's whatever's happening with the NARL and the USA Rugby League can come to terms, yeah. come together. Because obviously, you know, we want to, you know, we want to put our best players in the pitch. So, yeah. I think, just yeah, I just hope that all that stuff kind of clears up in the end. But yeah, to be honest, I've, my goal is to coach USA. So, um, I've always wanted to be a part of. USA Rugby League. So, um, yeah, if I can, that'll be one of my goals to coach the coach the USA team. So is this a long-term thing now? Like you're over in Brooklyn for two years, then you'll be, you're a couple of years younger than me, so I think you'll be 35 in a couple of years. Is that, do you, do you yeah. see yourself sort of transitioning into coaching and sort of sticking around in the USA for a little while? Well, oh yeah, that's oh, that's the plan. Obviously, um, yeah, like I wanna, I've always wanted to coach USA. Uh, if it's to coach one of the teams and to to help develop the game, uh, I'm all for it. Yeah, keen nice. to, I'm keen to build the rugby league in America, which because man, they got so many good athletes. Yeah, just gotta know the fundamentals of the game. So um, to be a part of that, I'd love to be a part of that and. You know, that's that's something that I'm driven to do. Man, who are some of the guys over there that you know about that you're excited to be playing against, playing with again, or um or sort of seeing develop and helping them while you're over there? Who are some of the names? Uh, um so Mark Offerdale, yep. uh, like a few of my mates, Mark Offerdale and CJ Catalano and uh who else? Ryan Burrows, Jamil Robinson. Yeah, Brandon Anderson. Uh, I'm just looking forward to seeing them. Um, obviously, I was. They were talking about like if we can help, and if there's a system that I can help them out with, and and I'm just yeah, I'm there to help out. And obviously, I want to go back to back with the uh, Brooklyn, so that's that's my first goal. Yeah. But um, uh, obviously, I just want to go there and help out the lads, and yeah, just yeah, teaching just the fundamentals of the game, but not just the game. A lot of it would be a, 
off the field stuff as well. Yeah, of course. It, uh, it, it's funny. Yeah. A lot, of, a lot of the guys you mentioned are playing for other clubs. So you know, Ryan at at Washington DC. Um, yeah. You know, so you actually, I think is Jamil and Brandon might be at your club, aren't they? At Brooklyn, are they still there? So. Do you... I think Jamil's on the West Coast, I think, at the moment. Oh, is he so at the he's, West Coast? He's running, no, he's running the stuff there. So. so you kind of be helping out everyone, hey, in a way. Like, it won't just be – you're sort of there, obviously, for a Brooklyn – in a Brooklyn capacity, but you want to be helping out whoever you can, and really the goal is to make USA stronger and to make the competition stronger. So I think that's really cool. Um, I love cool. that you mentioned going back-to-back. Back. I mean, we know that Brooklyn are the USARL champs, and they're – they mentioned on socials that they'll be defending their title in the NARL. For me, it's tough because yeah. um, I've been, a, I'll tell you now, I'll be honest with you, I've been a Brooklyn Kings fan since they started eight years ago. So I've always loved, yeah. like, there's just something about it when Maddie sort of unveiled that brand and there was a little bit of press over here in Sydney and I just loved it. I thought yeah. this could be like a mad club. Like I just loved it. So they became immediately my team. And then um, yeah. over the last few years, I'm sure you've been following on with the Toronto Wolfpack and what they've been doing. And they, yeah. they've really filled that position as, like, as an ex- expansionist or an internationalist. Like A lot of us have been excited about Toronto. Now all of a sudden they're yeah. playing in the same competition and I'm like, fuck, who do I go for? I, I, think, <laughs> I think because I'm talking to you, I'm going to say Brooklyn. <laughs> <laughs> but but like it's it's so tough because you want to see everyone do well but I think I'm going to have to say Brooklyn at the moment but it, like which clubs are you excited to be coming up against and and like who are you interested to sort of yeah who 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 do you think is going to be the big battle for for you guys at Brooklyn? Um, well, obviously I'm not sure if Toronto or Ottawa will be in the competition. Just because of the border restrictions, but yeah, I don't, I don't know if they've gone better. I think I would the, love to play against them. Yeah. I, I think the deal is they'll play each other in a Canadian Cup this year, but then next year I think you'll get them, man. I think they'll be in your conference next year. Yeah, definitely next year. Um, you, I'm looking forward to playing against New York because yeah. I love the love of the people and yeah. Washington and. So those lads, but um, yeah, because I feel like I think New York are trying to fill up, fill a good, strong team for yeah. for this month. So um, yeah, I think it's just all a building process at the moment. Um, if we can get the players there, yeah, it will be a good competition. It's so cool. But yeah, man, that's the thing. You want, you want this whole competition to be good. You know, you want every yeah. team to be doing well. So. Yeah, no, it should be good. What sort of standard are you expecting? Because I know I see all the clubs at the moment running combines and a lot of the talent's going to be um, sort of American boys, which I think is really good. Do you think there'll be a couple yeah. of others? Like, are you expecting a couple of others like yourself? You know, we're hearing press over here about guys like Ben Barber. I'm not sure how accurate that actually is. But, you know, are you expecting yeah. to see a couple more big ex-NRL players like yourself? Or what do you think the standard will be in the first season? Yeah, I'm not. I'm not really sure. I've been watching the games last year. Obviously, the, the standards is different. Yeah. But um, obviously, the more experienced rugby league players you got over here will help. Yeah. Um, one of the boys, um, Tony Williams, messaged me. Said he's coming to New York. So. Oh wow! I don't know. Spoil. Let's <laughs> make. You, you heard it here first. <laughs> Tony Williams in New York. T <laughs> Rex. Oh um, wow. I don't know. I don't know if that's. If he's just playing games with me, or yeah, but um, <laughs> but man, I, I must say I had about a hundred messages from a lot of the former NRL players or current players playing now Super League, wanting to come. Of course, man. So um, it's a dream. Imagine, like, yeah, like, you don't have to imagine. You're doing it. You're playing rugby league in 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 Brooklyn in New York. It's insane. Who who are some players that you'd love to see over there? If you could choose a couple to come with you. Ah uh, man, it's quite a few. Eh? <laughs> well, you got the Con Minkers, Con Minkers, and I. He'll be great over here. Yeah. Um, both Burgess, Sam Burgess. Yeah, there's a lot of them that message me. <laughs> Sam Burgess <laughs> is one I keep hearing. When you mentioned speaking to Ricky Willby four years ago, Sam Burgess is one that I always heard, like sort of sniffing around um, that yeah. New York sort of chat. So that could be really interesting yeah. too in the years to come. Yeah. Coming back out of retirement, but yeah, yeah. I think his brothers are George and Thomas. They're pretty keen. So, 
There's a lot of them that are keen. It's just yeah, the matter of getting over and yeah, depending on money. Of course, man. Financial side. We're going to need a bigger salary cap already, I think. Um, man, <laughs> I um, Just to step back a little bit, I spoke to, um, we've had on the podcast a couple of times, I don't know if you know Ronan Michael. So he's, uh, plays for, um, he plays for the Giants, Huddersfield over in the UK. He's Irish-born. And last year, yeah. because of COVID, he had to go back home to Ireland and play for his club, his original club, the Longhorns. And because it was yeah. such a different, like, because he was like a professional footy player stepping into like this more of an amateur sort of league, everyone yeah. expected him to blow blow it away. But he sort of had to. He said he he found it tough, like having to like sort of slow it down a little bit and sort of step it. It was just a different sort of pace and a different style of game, and everyone wanted to bash him yeah. because he was the big name. So you're gonna like, <laughs> yeah. So I, like, good luck, man, because I reckon every guy. Is going to be looking for Eddie Pettiborn and and wanting to smash smash him, man. So good luck. <laughs> I'm sure you're ready for it, but yeah, I just can't wait to see it all. Um, tell me a couple. Of, tell me a couple of things. So, uh, and you might not know the answer to these questions, but it's just questions that people want answered about this league because there's a lot of excitement around it for, from our listeners in particular. But like Toronto Wolfpack, like what's the story there? Do you do we know who's playing? Who owns it? where they how they came back like do we know do you know much about that yourself or is it sort of a bit hush hush nah, to be honest man, I haven't heard anything about um, Toronto I know a little bit of um, Ottawa but yeah. um, Toronto at this stage um, I know Chase Stanley and a few of the boys uh, that were playing for them last season yeah uh, that was a couple just you know it is what it is COVID and all that stuff yeah. and, and the financial side of it but uh, you know I, I really hope that they can you know, um, sort out whatever they're, they're doing at the moment and, you know, build their club again because uh, it'll be great for the for the competition. I feel like um, I get a sense that it's just the brand only and the club is going to change completely within, um, which was probably yep. might even be necessary. But it reminds me a bit of, oh, not really, but uh, it's kind of a little bit like when the Auckland Warriors became the New Zealand Warriors. Like it was the same club, but... It was the same brand essentially, yeah. but totally different. Um, so, could you know, could it be reborn in a way like the Phoenix, you know? But um, yeah. and what what about the? So obviously you're all over the Eastern Co- Conference, but the Western Conference has surprised me a little bit because at least in your conference, a lot of the clubs we they've existed before, or you know, in the case of um, Washington DC, it's kind of like a lot of the Nova boys. You know, New York is a lot of the old White Plains boys. But in the Western Conference, yeah. it's very, like, it's all very new. Like, all these clubs are sort of popped up out of nowhere. Do you know much about yeah. those guys? Do you know much about what's going on over there and who those clubs are and who, where they, what's going on? Yeah, so Jamil, uh, one of the boys that I know, uh, I think he's just running like, he's like the middleman yeah. of trying to organise players and the clubs because they're going to be in Vegas, I think, for the, um, for the season. Yeah, yeah. Been there in Vegas. I think you got Lance Ohio might be um, running coaching over there, I think. Oh, wow. So there's a um, rumor going over that he's coaching over there. So that'll be a big plus for if he does take that role to coach and help out with the, with the development over there with the, with the players. So, um, yeah, that's all I know at the moment. Obviously, they got like, I think. The new teams, I'm not sure if it's the is it the Swells, San Diego Swells. Oh, the Swell, yeah. Well, have they been there for a while? Is there a new team? I'm not sure if they're. Yeah, I think uh, my understanding is a lot of them are new clubs. Um, in like I, I haven't heard of San Diego Swell before last week, to be honest with you. So, but yeah, and I think there, there's a, there's, a, but you know, there's a bit of action happening over there in Cali and all that sort of thing too. So I'm sure they'll find players, but. It's um, it's just yeah. really interesting to see, you know that that surprised me a bit because I knew a lot about the East Coast beforehand, what was going on and what that conference was going to look like. In terms of the West Coast, I knew there would be a conference, but a lot of it was a surprise to me. It's really cool. It's just very intriguing, and I can't wait to see yeah. it all sort of happen in June. Um, it's really cool. So, man, what um, Eddie, what does a what does a successful season in the NARL look like for you this year? Yeah, winning back to back. I think winning every winning back to back. Uh, yeah, just having a good competition. Yeah. I think we want this game to grow, man. I think 
uh, all teams need to compete um, at the highest level. And I think if everyone can, if we can build a good culture in all the clubs, I think it will be really good. And because obviously it's going to be on TV, so you want it to be yep. rising. Um, every match wants to be exciting. Americans love it anyway. Like, you know, they go crazy when they see contact without pads. <laughs> yeah. Like, obviously, you look at Rugby Union. Like, they're killing it over there in the US. But I think Rugby League is just, I think it's more exciting. It's faster, it's, you know, it's bigger contact. Yeah, and it's just a quick game compared to Rugby Union. Rugby Union, it's more of like a businessman's game. Yeah, I think, and <laughs> not to sound, it's this is not to sound negative, but it's a simpler, we're, our game's simpler to understand. And a lot, it's a lot yeah. more is visible. Like who knows what's going on in some of the rucks and malls, but anyway, they're, they're, they're obviously doing great things at MLR over there. So I think there's probably plenty of room for both. And a lot of the boys you'll be playing, yeah. we've probably played both sports as well. But, um, but man, I just think it's incredibly exciting. Um, so I guess, you know, final question for you, man, and I, I appreciate your time. And um, what does the future look like then? So we know what this year, what you want this year to look like, but let's say, Five years down the track, you're still over there. You've just won two titles for Brooklyn Kings and you've retired from playing. You're now coaching. What does a competition over there look like with you as a coach in, say, five, maybe even ten years' time? What What do you think it should look like and where do you want it to go? Bigger than Super League. <laughs> you heard it, man. You heard it. I love that, man. <laughs> I, think, um, yeah. I think when the Wolfpack got kicked out, a lot of us were we're sort of hoping for something like this. So I'm glad to hear you say that. That's awesome. Mate, um, Eddie, how can, um, how can our listeners follow you and follow along and watch what you're doing over there? And, and um, how can they follow you, man, and support you and the Brooklyn Kings? In terms of social media? Yeah, if you like. Yeah, just social media, Twitter, Facebook. Yeah, I'll be on there. So, uh... Beautiful, man. We'll be, we'll be watching no, along from here in Australia. I'll be chatting to my mate Nate Gladden every week to find out how everyone's going over there as well. And, um, yeah, mate Eddie Pettiborn, congratulations again. Good luck on the move to Brooklyn, getting the whole family over there from France. And, um, man, can't wait to see you, see you and the others, um, you know, doing some great things over in the USA. Thank you so much. Thanks for chasing kangaroos with me, brother. Thank you so much, man. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me. by Matt Haynes Sport. We are mixed and produced by Paul Murchison. Our theme music was written and recorded by Ash Barco and Ricky Cancino. The podcast is hosted by me, Michael Carboni, and The Biggest Tiger. Views are our own. Mm-hmm.